You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, that's it for announcements. We are into our new sermon series called Sabbath. And we're going to spend five weeks on this. Uh, We'll get through the rest of this month and into the first Sunday of September. And Logan and I, we had to do a test run of our tubing adventures for the next Sunday. So we, we did a test run last week. It was very spiritual. Uh, actually, we did a lot of scheming and dreaming, a lot of talking. And, and Logan asked me, he says, well, what is your big, what's the big idea behind this, this Sabbath series? What's your main point? What, what do you want people to really come away with? And to answer his question, I asked a question in, in, in rabbi form. Not that I am a rabbi, but I just adopted their form. And uh, I asked him a question. I said, Logan, are you a saint? Are you holy? And th- his Body, bodily response <laughs> was visceral. You could see a shiver run down his back as, he, as those words entered his ears, and he was almost convulsing in his tube. And he's like, yeah, my initial response is, those words do not describe me. Are you Holy. Give me a thumbs up, sideways or down, for each of you in the room. Just tell me, are you, do you feel pretty holy or, or are you closer? You know, I see people don't even want to respond to this one. <laughs> okay, I'm smiling right now because, uh, you know, his response, I have to tell you when I'm smiling because you can't tell, um, his response was my exact response probably 20 years ago. And I've wrestled with this, with this question. Andrew Murray uh, refers to uh, 1 Peter 1 when he first talks, talks about this idea of holiness. He reminds us, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So, Apostle Peter borrows from Leviticus, and he applies a verse, a conversation from Leviticus, and he says it's true of you and I as well. That we are to be holy as he is holy. Man, where do you start that? He says, in all your conduct. Anybody else get a sinking feeling just thinking about this? No sinking feelings next week when we're tubing, by the way. (laughs) But every time... Every time the Apostle Paul calls the people of a certain town that he's writing to, every time he addresses them, he calls them saints. 
wasn't even a question. He, he addresses them as saints. It's the same word. It's the same Greek word. I'm going to butcher this, but let's go with the hagios. It's the same Greek word for the Holy Spirit. He says, you are holy. But that doesn't feel like my experience. Does it feel like your experience? Andrew Murray says this. By the way, he was a pastor to South Africa in the late 1800s and early 1900s, and he led a revival that shook the country of South Africa. So I figured that when he talks about holiness, he may, he may have an idea or two worth listening to. Uh, this call of God, this call to holiness, shows us the true motive to holiness. Be holy because I am holy, God says. It is as if God said, holiness is my blessedness and my glory. Without this, you cannot, in the very nature of things, see me or enjoy me. When God invites you into holiness, it's so that you can fully experience him. Well, I wonder if there's something missing in our discipleship, both in the area of holiness and in the area of Sabbath. Because I'll ask you this question. When it comes to Sabbath, maybe you'll answer this one. Give me a thumbs up, sideways or down. If, you, if your experience with Sabbath is a very positive one, meh, or I don't even know where to start. Will you guys give me some kind of indication? Okay, so we got some, we got the majority here, the rest are here, and then we got one or two here. So I, I got to believe that somewhere in our discipleship, we've missed out on this conversation of what it means to be holy and what it means to have Sabbath. And maybe they're connected. So I, I want to talk about some goals of, uh, of this series so we don't lose sight of some things. Um, this, uh, this, this graphic, uh, I love this graphic. Uh, we put a ton of work into this, both from uh, our, our creative arts team is fantastic, and Logan leads that team, so my, my hat's off to them. Um, this is Blue Mountain, right? And this, and this picture is kind of a kind of reminds you of just about anywhere you, anywhere you go in Montana. Like, this is kind of a common view, right? And Sabbath just seems to be out of reach. You think that's a fair statement? That that's the way we look at it in the American Christian world? Well, I want to tell you this. First and foremost, we are not trying to make anybody in this room Jewish. It's not a goal. 
It's not a goal. And we don't need to be. I believe that Gentiles, when they came to Christ, they were discipled in the area of Sabbath, but they weren't made Jewish. So we don't, that's not our goal either. Our goal is to disciple on, on Sabbath, but not make you Jewish. Colossians 2 says, No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to festival or new moon or a Sabbath day. I think Sabbath is super important. I think it's extremely valuable. It's an invitation. But it doesn't necessarily have to happen on the same day for, for all of us. Now, for, for the Jew, what day do they establish, do they uh, practice Sabbath? Saturday. For the Gentile, for the, for the church, what is the typical day? Sunday, right? Because of the, it's the resurrection day. I believe the early disciples actually were in the temple both days because they found both of them valuable. But the Apostle Paul is speaking into a world that has both Jews and Gentiles in it, and he's saying, hey, you don't have to become Jewish in order to worship the Lord your God. So we're not trying to become Jewish. And we're not going to create a culture of Sabbath police. We're not going to have a bunch of Nehemiahs running around, or even one Nehemiah for that matter, running around trying to figure out if you are celebrating Sabbath in the right way or not. In fact, if someone does do that to you, guess what? You have something in common with your Lord and Savior because that was his most common attack, right? John 19 or John 9, verse 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. This man is not of God. They're talking about the Son of God. And they missed it because of their cultural views on Sabbath. So we're not trying to make people Jewish. We're not trying to create a culture of Sabbath police. That's not helpful. So what are we trying to do? Let's go back to this picture. Now for this field, for some of us, this field right here is extremely inviting. Right? And for some of us, we wouldn't know what to do in this field. It's empty. There's nothing there. And even if we find it inviting, we want to fill it up, right? We want RVs and ATVs, or we want to cut the grass and throw in a backstop and some baselines, maybe our future home. We want to put something in this field. We want to fill it up in some way, shape, or form. And I think when it comes to Sabbath, we're like, how do I do nothing all day long? Raise your hand if doing nothing for one complete day for every week. Raise your hand if that sounds amazing. 
So yeah, about 25% of us. Like that is like the best idea ever. What does that mean for the rest of us? Right? Like that sounds awful. A field with nothing in it. No ATVs, no houses, no baseball field, no new home. So we are going to add some things because we're going to find out in Genesis 2 that when God rested on the last day, he also created something on the last day. I'll let that mess with your minds for just a little bit, but let's bring up the next slide. So we're going to fill this with stop. We're going to start filling this field with some things. And stop is one of the things that we're going to fill this field with. Now, it may seem like stopping is not filling, but maybe we'll get there. Next slide. Rest. We're going to add some rest in this. Raise your hand if you need some rest. Oh, man, that's, that's pretty universal. Next slide. Delight. Delight. We're going to have some delight. And then next slide. Some contemplation. Some contemplation. So these are some things that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. Today we're going to talk about stopping. We're actually going to put some things... Uh, intentionally into this field, into this space called Sabbath. Now, I'll tell you this. Is there anything holy or sacred about the four things that we're going to talk about as a church when it comes to Sabbath? Nope. You may come up with some other things that are a much better fit for you and your family. But it's a place to compare and contrast and think about and reflect. And, and so the next four weeks, we're going we're gonna to reflect on this, and then we're going to kind of f- fulfill Sabbath, as it were, at the end, week five, and just talk about some practical things that week. And it's also, was it Labor Day, Memorial Day, something weekend, Labor, Labor Day weekend, so you may be watching this on the video, who knows. You may be Sabbathing for the weekend. Um, but let's go to the source where we first find out about Sabbath, even though it's not labeled as Sabbath. But let's go to Genesis 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. He didn't finish his work on the sixth day. He finished his work on the seventh day. So there's really seven days of creation, if you think about it. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. He rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. 
in creation. What's the most repeated word in that short passage? Rested. Rested. Maybe that's what God created. Rest. She's thrown down. Excited about this. God rested. Hallelujah. (laughs) My charismatic daughter there. Andrew Murray says this, in the whole book of Genesis, the word holy only occurs once. But that once opens to us the secret spring from which flows all that the Bible has to teach us of this heavenly blessing. When God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, he lifted it above all the other days, setting it apart to work in a revelation of himself, excelling in glory, all that preceded. Now I want you to get this picture. We talked about this quite a bit in the Genesis series at the beginning of the year. But at Mount Sinai, the people of Israel are hearing this story for the first time. It's the first time in history that this story is being heard. They come out of 400 years of slavery, working seven days a week, 365 days a year. For many generations, that is all they knew. Where did they find their value? In their work. If you worked, your family stayed safe. If you couldn't work, you and your family were at risk. You think that's pressure on Ian the guys? You think there's pressure on the, on the ladies, the moms, the wives? Doing all they can to support and make sure that they can continue to work as a community, work, 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 work was their identity. Has COVID-19 struck at our identity at all? Where our work has been interrupted in ways that our generation hasn't seen. And God said, hey, on the seventh day, I rested. And in a world where you're told that you have no value, you have no value, have no value, have no value. Being told that you could share, you could, you could enter into God's holiness. It's got to be an amazing concept. Rabbi Heschel says this, now what was the first holy object in the history of the world? 
Was it a mountain? Was it an altar? Can, could you find it with Google Maps? How extremely significant is the fact that it is applied to time. And Jamuri goes on to say, here we see the character of God as the Holy One who makes holy. In the way in which he makes holy by entering in and resting and the power of blessing with which God makes holy is ever accompanied. Man, I first read these words 20 years ago. And it gave me so much hope. You mean if I locate myself near God, that's how I experience his holiness? That's how he communicates his holiness to me? God is the one who makes holy. In the early church, I don't think wrestled with this question of, am I holy or not? Maybe because they entered into that time and space that allowed for holiness. It's through proximity. It's through closeness. It's through nearness to God that makes holy. And, and yeah, there's all kinds of conversations I've had with God because of my proximity, because of my nearness, because of my closeness. There's been all kinds of conversations about conduct and, and those kinds of things. Rob, let's clean this up. Let's clean up the way you talk with people. Let's clean up the way you look at ladies as they're walking down the street. Let's clean up the kind of entertainment that you take in. There's all kinds of conversations that's taken place as I've drawn near to God. But it's God who makes holy. And I want you to enjoy that. I want you to enjoy that. God does not send us on some kind of quest. Go figure it out, Jack. Let me know when you get it figured out, son. God doesn't send you away. He invites you in. In fact, God's challenged me on this. Rob, why don't you help your kids do the things that you ask them to do like I help you do the things I've asked you to do? Why aren't you near them when they are doing the tasks you've asked of them? He invites us in. Now we learn more about Sabbath in Deuteronomy 5. This is a very Jewish passage. Understand this is part of the 613 laws that you have to follow if you want to be a Jew. Which if, if you want to become a proselyte, you know, I, I think there's value and benefit there. But again, our conversation here is not about becoming Jewish, but learn from and, and, and just see 
what are some lessons that they've learned over time? And, and as we go along, we'll talk about even how um, they see this, this passage today. I feel like, uh, well, we didn't see a very redemptive conversation about Sabbath at the end of the book of Nehemiah, did we? But I believe that our neighbors that practice Sabbath today have learned some lessons in the last 2,000, 3,000 years, so 2,400 years, I guess. But it says this, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that is your male servant and your female servant, may rest as well as you. You shall remember, and this is why God is instituting this, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. So when God frees us from our own version of Egypt, we shouldn't return to Egypt as if Egypt is our salvation. But it's that continued relationship, that continued intimacy. Because I know that for so many people, when they come to Christ, man, it is, yeah, it's emotional, it's powerful, it's uplifting. And, and we share those stories because it's so cool to be part of again. It's just see that take place. It's a miracle. And we love it. But where does our passion go? Unless we take time to reflect on that week by week by week. And remember, remember that exodus. Remember that salvation. Well, I told you when we mentioned that we were going to do this series that it wasn't just going to be my voice in this conversation because I'm really journeying through this. I've been on this journey for a couple years, uh, but Marty Solomon is a friend of ours. He's been on this journey longer than us. Uh, he grew up in an uh, evangelical church. Later, he uh, connected to the fact that he had Jewish roots, uh, ancestry. And so he started down this path and figuring out what does observing Sabbath look like. So he's been looking at this longer than us longer than me. So we're going to take a look at Marty here for a couple minutes. Hey, Mission Ridge, this is Marty Solomon uh, with our first installment of what I'm going to call the Sabbath Diaries. Uh, Rob and Logan, we talked the other days about this upcoming series that you guys are now in, um, uh, just reflecting on the power of Sabbath and what Sabbath is and how to engage that. And so Rob had these four words that he wanted to kind of guide your journey through uh, this reflection on Sabbath. And so um, he had these words, stop, rest, delight, 
and contemplate. Stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. So today, I just wanted to reflect on this idea of stopping. Now, when I think about stopping, I mean, Sabbath, that's kind of the essence of Sabbath. In a lot of ways, the Hebrew word just means to cease. Um, so it really begins with this idea of stopping. And I want to start by, I want to start by reflecting on the why behind the stop. You know, this, this idea of Sabbath, this idea of, of cessation, of ceasing, of stopping is not a practical need. Um, God is the first one to model this stopping. God is the first one to model the Sabbath. And God has not run out of uh, divine creativity units in the creation story. God is not tired. God does not need to recharge his uh, God batteries. Um, sa- the stopping of Sabbath is not a stopping that's done because we are out of energy. It's not done because we need to gain energy. This is a very Western way of engaging the idea of Sabbath. That um, these are these things are all true. It's not what the essence of the Sabbath stop is all about. It's not about a practical need, a void that's being filled. One of my favorite Jewish teachers, a guy by the name of uh, Rabbi David Foreman, uh, he once talked about Sabbath in referring to artists and the great artists that have to know when to stop. They have to know when to say enough. They have to know when the work is done. Like, can you imagine, uh, a lot of us are familiar with the great, the famous statue of David that was sculpted by Michelangelo. Can you imagine if Michelangelo didn't quite know when to stop? He just kept taking a little off here and another chisel mark there and maybe a little bit more off the shoulder. Like the great artists, the great painters, the great designers, the great creators have to know when to say enough. You have to stop because if you don't stop, you ruin creation. And so this is what we see in Genesis. We see a God who knows when to stop This isn't a stopping because he needs to, because there's some resource that's running out or needs to be recharged. This is a stopping because this God knows when to stop and say, ah, that, that is fantastic. That is a great creation. Join me, he says at the end of Genesis, in essence, he says in this movement of Sabbath, join me in just enjoying, join me in reflecting, join me in And we're going to move on to go rest and delight and contemplation. But the first thing we do is stop. And the stopping is done so that we can just enjoy what is. And there's a power to that. Because the the rat race that we're a part of, the hamster wheel of production that in our Western American world we get caught up in, it just, it starts to overwhelm us. It starts to overcome us. And we start to believe that our value and our worth comes in that production, that there's, that the goodness comes out of the production, that it's only good if it came from hard work, that only, like, we get wound up in a counter narrative. And so there's a power. There is a power in the ability to stop. Just in stopping, there's unbelievable power. And so this movement of Sabbath, to stop. It's not about not working because it's an immoral thing. Stop working because when you work and you work and you work and you work, you start to believe a narrative. You start to believe a story. When you stop that narrative, it has the power to speak a deeper truth. God says a more accurate truth about who we are and what the world is like and what he is like. So in in my uh, observation of Sabbath, 
There is great power in my ability to just stop. I stop making my bed on Sabbath. And that's a challenge for me because I am a neat freak. I am an OCD. I want everything to be in its proper place. And so to stop making my bed is this powerful. Every time I walk into my bedroom and my, and my soul kind of goes, I need to make my bed in order. No. On this day we stop and that stopping has a power to communicate. God uses that to communicate a deeper, more real truth. Uh, there are things that I want to do that I stop. There are things that I don't like to do, but I have to do every day and I stop. I hate to shave my head. You say, well, then why, Marty, do you do it every single day? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that question. All I know is that I hate getting up every single morning going, oh, I have to shave my head again this morning on Sabbath. I stop. I stop shaving my head for that one day. And that, that stopping, that ceasing has a power to communicate a truth and a reality that we'll look at more, a little bit more through this series and through these little videos. We'll talk more about, but there is a power. You are not valuable because of what you produce. The world does not spin on your power. We know these things, and yet if we never stop, we forget them. We know them intellectually, but we never truly know them. And that narrative, that truth never finds its way into us, into our psyches, into our spirits, into our souls. God never has the, the ability to stop. The power of the stop. Shabbat Shalom. I love what Marty says, stopping is an invitation to simply enjoy what God created. And sometimes the thing that we struggle with enjoying is ourselves as his creation or the people around us as his creation. The word Sabbath literally means to cease. And Marty touched on this. Why is, why is stopping hard? Why is stopping? Why is stopping hard for you guys? Give me, give me some things. Nothing's ever done. Yeah. What else? Yeah. We're used to doing things a lot. Yeah. Anything else? Running out of time. Yeah. Obligations. Obligations. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes as kids, our parents say things to us and they have unintended consequences, but uh, don't you have something you should be doing? <laughs> Haven't we heard that? Um, I've heard stories of people that they, they started caring for someone in their family, like someone was sick. And so they spent all this time and energy you know, and they, were, they always had to be vigilant and, and they didn't know how to slow down or stop once they got out of that circumstance. You know, and so sometimes our experiences just kind of drive us to this path of, you know, it's kind of like uh, me learning how to eat at basic training. Not that I didn't know how to eat, but I learned how to eat quickly. <laughs> I still eat like I'm in basic training. I don't know how many years ago. Um... Rudy, 
the movie, right? Football player, small guy, trying to prove that he belonged. And he just kept going and going and going and going and going and going. Sometimes we get tired of being in debt. We've made some poor choices, and so we're going to take an extra shift. Well, how about an extra, extra shift? And that extra, extra, extra shift. And, and then pretty soon, our work is driving our schedule. When I went from a GS-11 to a GS-12 in the military, I had worked hard to get there. Do you think I felt like I had to work just as hard to stay there or harder? I worked harder. I had a BlackBerry on me 24-7. I had, had to be able to answer a phone call or an email within an hour. Trust me, when you send me your emails, I notice it. I'm conditioned. Stopping is an imitation to simply enjoy what God has created. Simply enjoy who he created me to be, who he created my wife to be, who he created my children to be, even to just simply enjoy him. Peter Scazzaro says this, the core spiritual issue in stopping revolves around trust. Will God take care of us and our concerns if we obey him by stopping to keep the Sabbath? And so I think it's a valuable thing as we look, dive into this, as we just start down this journey, and this is going to be a journey, not a destination, but what keeps you from stopping? What do you not trust about yourself? What do you not trust about God? What do you not trust about those around you? Sabbath is an act of trust where we say, God, I guess I'm enough. <laughs> right? I guess we have what we, what we need for today. God, you are sufficient. And Sabbath isn't just for us, but it's really for everyone around us too. Because if you and I take the time to experience our God and enjoy his holiness and let that holiness impact our world, our neighbors will have no choice but to take notice and be God at work in us. That will make the difference. So the implication is this. God invites us to enter into his holiness through a time of Sabbath. But we can only join if we're willing to stop what we're doing. He invites us to enter into his holiness through a time of Sabbath. For you, that could be Monday. It could be Saturday. It could be Sunday. It's the time that you carve out on a regular basis and say, I'm here to enjoy you, God. 
And, and really kind of at the core of this is we, we go from being human doings to human beings. Like he created us to be. Your value was absolutely declared on the day he created you. And if you lost sight of that, then look at the cross. Because his son came to nail it right there for eternity. Your value has already been declared. So we don't have to fight for that. So I'm trying to figure out holiness apart from God. Experience him. Enjoy him. Enjoy who he created you to be. The invitation to stop is for you. And some next steps, because we said that there's some things that get in the way. So your next steps, wrestle with, where do I feel that I am not enough? And that I do not have enough. And then wrestle with, where do I feel that God is not enough? Or I feel that God won't provide. Where are these areas in our lives? And wrestle with, where do I feel that my son or my daughter or my spouse or my neighbor or my boss is not enough to meet my expectations? And where do I find the value of that person? Because these are the questions I had to start wrestling with. And then we'd invite you to pick one thing to stop each week on your Sabbath. Like Marty was talking about. Pick something that you love doing. For me, it's, it's Facebook and social media. I, I love staying connected to people and what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what their kids are doing. One thing that you love doing, one thing that you hate doing. I hate to shave. And I know I'm OCD too, so I don't shave very much anymore. But it drives me nuts to have that stubble hanging there. I really think about, I make sure I shave on Friday when I know I'm not going to shave on Saturday. Because I really hate shaving after two days. That's the worst. God invites us to enter into his holiness through a time of Sabbath. But we can only join if we are willing to stop what we are doing. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.